This is the 19th season of Bass Talk Live. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Striking Lures, Aftco, Pro Guide Batteries, X Zone Lures, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, Spro, Gamakatsu, Big Bite Baits, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Beatdown Outdoors, and Sunline. BTL, coming at you. Good morning, and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk about fishing, continuing with the first week of 2024. Got a good one today. Uh, a true veteran of the industry and uh, a good friend, too. I've known this guy for a very long time. I probably spent more time watching this guy fish than just about uh, any other angler out there. And that is the one and only Dean Rojas from uh, Lake Havasu. Is it Lake Havasu or Lake Havasu City? Lake Havasu City. And Happy New Year to you, Matt. It's always good to see you. What did you guys do for the new year, Dino? Uh, we went up to uh, Prescott, Arizona, um, which is about about three hours from here, and uh, the elevation's about six thousand feet. So it was uh, a little too darn cold for me. You know, I like living in the desert where it's nice and warm, but uh, it was like thirty degrees in the morning and stuff. And that, uh, New Year's night, uh, New Year's Eve night was like thirty. So we spent a lot of time in the uh, adult beverage uh, bar there they have a whiskey row which is really synonymous with prescott and the old cowboys back in the in the 1700s so pretty cool history back there yeah uh i was talking who was i on i think i was on a bass and bruise podcast and things get a little sketchy on that podcast <laughs> and they were asking about some of the crazy stuff and uh i i told them the story of how i came into possession of the only is it the ghost green Wigglewort color that is synonymous with the uh, Ozark region. We were yes. down at, at that one tournament, and you had you had some sponsors in that you were entertaining. And mm-hmm. uh, now you guys weren't drunk or anything, but you'd had a few. But you would run out of Jack. Do you remember this story? <laughs> oh, uh, no, I don't. But but revise me. I anytime you talk about Wigglewort, I it piques my interest because you don't remember looking- this, dude. So go ahead, roll with it. So, so you said, uh, okay. The oddest version is you said, Matt, go get us some more Coke because you had run out of Coke. That's what it was—a twelve-pack of Coke to for Jack and Cokes. And I was like, dude, I'm like, I'm here to work too. I'm not just your errand boy, dude. So that's right. I I gotta get something out of this situation here. And you're like, oh, come on, come on. We need a bag of ice and we need some Coke. And, uh, that's right. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. I said, I will go. And it was late at night too. And we were in the middle of nowhere. And I said, I will, I will go get you a 12 pack of Coke and a bag of ice, but I get to pick out a wiggle work. You know where that was at? It was at Toledo bend. Well, I think it was the night that I won and things were getting, I think really, uh, fun there. And, uh, we were staying at way out in the sticks and there was one, uh, store there. Remember at Joe's? There was a yep. shell station and they had all the stuff there. And I told you, yes, I would give you one of my, and I don't think it was even that you didn't specify color. No, but it was like the ones that I have custom painted. 
swivel right no you gave me the custom painted ones after yeah but you gave me one three of those after the grand classic you gave me one of the blue mm -hmm. ones one of the red ones and one of the orange ones correct but correct. this was the different one because you didn't specify which because i still have those three didn't you have those painted in uh japan, japan. yeah you still Let's have see if I can find them. yeah yeah well i have they're on, on my tour deal here oh here we go uh so like that's my wiggle work box you can see okay so i believe you have that one right there yeah that one's crazy okay. cool yeah this these were painted in japan that's that's one of them there and then that's the one with the purple side or blue side blue side and then, then you had a then you had like a peanut butter color i have a purple one as you can see yeah go a little bit the other way there you go then put your hand yep. behind it Put your hand like behind the bait like that, and then the other hand. Put your other hand behind the bait, and then it'll pop. There you go. Yeah, that's the color. So th these are the original suspend ones on this deal, and uh, so a uh, little story behind this deal. That let me show you the other one too, because I got that one here as well. Um, and which one were you throwing in the? Was it the Cliff Pace Classic? Yes. Which one were you throwing in the Cliff Pace so Classic? I was, I was throwing this one in the Pur. Uh, I think I had them all three tied on, Matt. Okay. Um, so there was that color. But I think it was the purple one that I had. That one right there. You can yep. see that real good. Mm -hmm. um, so it was so cool because my uh, marshal at the time there at the Classic, uh, he saw it laying on the deck. And he goes, what in the hell is that? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, that tied onto your rod. That wiggle wart. I am a wiggle wart fanatic, and I have never seen that color before in all my life. Where did you get that one? And I said, well, that's, you know, they're custom painted. And uh, so I told him the whole story, and, he, and he's just like, my gosh. So then that was before the day started. So I get out there, and I get on my stuff, and three and a half, four, two pounder, two and a half, you know, next thing you know, I'm crushing him on it. And he's just like, he goes, I can't. And the whole time he's just, that thing is so awesome. Looking. That thing is so awesome. So what happens is it gets scratched up as you know, which mm -hmm. makes it even better. I think the dullness is even better uh, when they, when those colors start to just kind of mend all together. And uh, so at the end of the day, um, you know, before we get it off, I mean, it was, I had a great day. I caught like 18 pounds on it. Uh, and, uh, so I handed it to him and I go, here you go, buddy. Just, you know, appreciate it. And he just about lost it, man. He goes, Oh my God, I can't believe this. I'm there. This is, Oh Jesus. I dude, this is such a big deal, man. Thank you so much. I am such a wiggle wart freak. I've got all these colors and all these numbers. And look, I understand the wiggle warts and stuff and all, and the numbers that you guys use for color, um, you know, scenarios and stuff, but I don't, I'm not that big into it, but I just know they work really good in the Ozark Lakes, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. just all that bullshoals, Table Rock, all that stuff, Grand, that Arkansas, Missouri, you know, East Oklahoma type thing. So it's all good. It's all good. I do have, oh, let me tell you the story about that behind that because it's really cool. So uh, Ish and I, Monroe, um, mm -hmm. when we're fishing the elites, we, we travel a lot together and we, because we're from the West Coast, so we're always going back and forth together and stuff. And, you know, we used to throw the wiggle warts up the Delta and uh oh really Shasta. i didn't know that yeah so he knows all about it and we got to talking about it and he's like hey dean he says there's a tackle store up here that, that went out of business and they've got like boxes and boxes of, of wiggle warts he said i already bought 
400 of them, but there's 200 left. Do you want them? And I go, yeah, I want them. Yeah, 200, heck yeah. So he goes, okay, it's it's the regular color. I think it was, uh, you might have one in here. Um, they, they weren't anything special, uh, mm-hmm. but they were the suspending model. And um, so I ended up buying them. He says they're $2 a piece, okay? Oh, my gosh. In the original box. And I, and I have the original box. You want to see it? Hold on, hold no, on absolutely. Yeah, I okay. think it's a, right. a six-pack of uh, a six-pack. If I remember back in the day, I, the Wiggle Warts seemed to go through a uh, a a deal where it was like super hot online. I want to say eight, five to eight years ago. I mean, I was part of all the Facebook groups and Wiggle Wart, but then as soon as the forward-facing sonar came out, there's been a little bit of a uh, they they've kind of gone that? back underground. Yeah, so those are all. That's the original box with original six packs inside. Are those the Minnetonka ones or the Norman, Oklahoma ones? I'll tell you. We'll pull them out of the box and show them to you. Don't don't ruin any of those. Oh, my gosh. So that's like if you were a tackle store owner 20 years ago and you ordered wiggle warts, that's how they'd come. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then there, you can see them in the box there. I think so those are the box, Minnetonkas. Does it say on the, the back? It should say Minnesota or either. It says assembled in Mexico. Yep. Uh, Norman, Oklahoma. Oh, it is the Norman, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, Storm Manufacturing Companies on Norman, Oklahoma, and uh, assembled in Mexico. But those are the ones, and like I That's have phenomenal. I, so I have there's, you know, you gotta understand. So this is what all, all I have left of the ones that are in the original boxes and stuff. So, um, and so there's probably what six, twelve, twenty four of them here. So the only problem with not having it painted in Japan, it cost me two boxes. Okay, I had to give it to the guy because he wanted them. Uh. So and over the course of that, and then losing them or breaking them, um, I have. I don't know. I probably got about 15 here and then I've got about 30 or 35 in the, uh, in my tour boat and stuff. So how did you end up getting them painted in Japan? So when I used to live in Texas, um, Yusuke Miyazaki rented a trailer from me on my, Mm -hmm. on my property. And so he would always bring over these Japanese guys. They'd always come in, they'd stay for a couple of weeks and, uh, and you know, I get to know all these guys. Well, a lot of them, were like, you know, one was a painter and one worked for Dial and one worked for this and one for that. I mean, he'd always bring somebody in. They'd always come over and I'd cook steaks for them, you know, because we're on the property and they all fishermen, you know, it's cool. And they, they wanted to meet me and everything. So it was just awesome, you know, to have that. And so Yusuke's like, hey, Dean, you know, you get to paint in Japan. And I said, and I asked the guy because he didn't speak really good English. And I said, can you paint these? And and so he he said, yeah. He goes, what do you want? He had, you know, Yusuke's um you know telling me what he's saying i told him that i wanted a a purple a blue and a red uh on that particular bait itself so you can see that the the bait itself is kind of like you know it's already has a crawfish pattern on it and it already had the the lips already got the uh the paint on it so i just said just dress them up and make them look nice and man when i got that first bat i got them i'm like oh boy heck yeah and then uh and it's just cool, you know, and that's the whole thing is, is like throwing something that somebody isn't and, mm-hmm. um, you know, in different colors and so forth. And uh, I love throwing a wiggle ward. I, you know, it's just, it's so much fun. And I know Spro makes a rock crawler, which is, which is awesome too. It dives deeper and it, and it almost, I almost say it almost takes the place of a wiggle ward. 
but I'm like old school. Okay. So like when you throw in a wiggle war, you just, it just feels, you know, good. And, and it feels good with the rock crawler too, but they both catch them. They're both great mm-hmm. baits. And uh, I think the, the, um, the rock crawler is more of an updated version, you know, much, much like, you know, when we came out much with more user friendly too. Yes. Yes. It's a little bit heavier. It casts a little better. Um, it doesn't, you know, helicopter on you, but yeah, when you're throwing the wiggle wiggle, it don't matter, man. You're, you're throwing your work, man. It's good. It's good stuff. Love I mean, that. that's like a one derby every couple years if you're lucky where that is like actually but maybe it's like one every three to five years when you say i mean it's not something yeah, that you're gonna throw every tournament every i mean it's a, no it's, it's not. very situational yeah it's a specialty deal and it's it's deals where i always carry in my truck because i just you never know um and you know there could be that rock bank that you're just like gosh i need a wiggle mm-hmm. wart right now you know what i mean it's just, it's one of those things where yeah, you need it, and I carry it just in case. And uh, and every now and again, I'll pull it out. But you're right; it's more it's more of a, a, a situation of we're going to one of those lakes that time of year. Um, and it was always key because every time we had our classics in in Oklahoma, there and uh, at Grand, I mean, it was a key player. I mean, it's just I remember the day that that when Edwin won that one with 22 pounds, 24 pounds. There was a front coming in. I had like 19 pounds on the wiggle work. I mean, they were just crushing it. It was just so much fun. And it was on the final day of the, of the classic. So, you know, it's one of those things where I had like the, I don't know, second, third big bag of the day uh, on that one, but just so much fun. And, and, and I, I miss throwing it because we never get to go anywhere like that, you know, it's so mm-hmm. anymore, it seems like. And especially with like the forward facing sonar stuff, it's like, I mean, our tackle, I mean, I look up my stuff now and I'm just like, God, we never throw that stuff anymore. We're never in that situation. It's either, you know, this, this, or that. I mean, for you can have five or six baits and be good for the whole year. Um, you know, I've got lots of handboard stuff, you know, and all my crankbaits and, you know, the big bike stuff. It just, you know, I mean, like the fighting frog. I mean, yeah, I still throw it, but it wasn't like it was a staple, you know, uh, when, when, you know, back, you know, back, you know, 10 years ago. So it still works. It's still good stuff. It still, you know, goes with me on the tour. So. But that's just because of times have changed and guys are fishing mm-hmm. differently. Yeah, they are. And that's, that's for sure. So it's, it's part, like I said, it's, it all depends on the lake and what the lake's calling for. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, when you go to reservoirs that, that have a lot of standing timber and they have, you know, spotted bass and that are smallmouth that are roaming around the middle of the lake, you know, I mean, that's heck yeah, that's going to be the deal uh, doing that stuff. So, you know, it's, uh, it's still, it's, uh, it's changing, it's evolving. And, um, you know, it's be interesting to see what happens in the next five years from now. I would venture to say that you're probably one of the most underrated crankbait fishermen uh, on tour because, I mean, you, you not only talk about the wiggle wart, you've got some other cold water baits. I think Spro just didn't Spro just come out with a bait that you kind of helped design that's uh, it's got a it's an early season like, real tight wobble to it that you've been throwing for a bunch of years. I know that little John DD has always been a staple in your arsenal. Mm-hmm. Weren't you cranking in the opening rounds in 19 on Smith when you won your BPT event? Yeah, that that was on a uh, that was on a, a square bill. I was caught in that on a swim jig. Uh, I even caught a couple on my frog on that final day that that sealed it for me, you know. And so like I, I it's I I've been doing this so long. I, I know what I need to do at certain times and, and and how to catch them when they're grouped up or what they're mm-hmm. feeding on on a certain way. So the bait you're referring to on the spro side is my speed demon, okay? Yep. Which is which is a really good bait for cold water. 
uh, applications. Got a nice tight wiggle to it. Uh, obviously got great, you know, Gamagatsu hooks on it. Nice uh, computer chip build. All the great features that you want, you know, in a bait like that. So uh, we're going to be coming out with some new colors next next year. So the ones we got now are more of a staple. Um, you know, the crystal crawl color is always a great color. You know, blue chartreuse. I mean, the shad colors. So basically, yeah, you go. Basically, just just coming up with something that works really good in the springtime. Um, I mean, you can either go the shad pattern or the the uh, the crawdad colors. Uh, there's the crystal call right there. So you, so a lot of it too is matched up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna use some of my wiggle work colors on them as well. Um, so be, be, you know that those things will be coming uh, here shortly. Uh, we may even have them before I cast. So um, a lot of stuff going on with Spro right now. A lot of new product, new new stuff and they're really on the move right now. And it's just, you know, it shows, you know, all the stuff that they're, they're making and designing and so forth. So um, we do have another frog in the hopper too. We're working on that right now currently. Uh, but what's cool is like my son, Austin. So he's, he's been heavily involved with color uh, design so forth uh, with Spro. Since he was so, like 12, right? Yeah, I know. But like, I mean, it really took off. I mean, like he's, his deal, uh, his big one is the, the, the Diamondback. Yep. Okay. So that, that was the color that, that uh, I, you know, we came up with and, and he drew it out and everything. I had to finish it up for him. But, you know, right now, I mean, that's like the third best selling frog that we have on the market right oh, now. That's cool. So, I mean, it's just, it's so cool. So then he's got a uh, tunnel rat. He's got carp. He's got What's Carmen. tunnel he's rat? Got... I haven't seen tunnel rat. You see that? Can you take that oh, one out? Yeah. Is that a new one for this year? Yeah, they had introduced the iCast. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, that looks yeah. very, very ratty. Mousy, ratty. Mm -hmm. So like kind of these, are like, these are like holes. Yeah, it's gray with, with black. Yeah, that. that's cool. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Mm -hmm. Did he so do that uh, Orca? No, I did that. Oh, okay. I did that. That, that was that was the, the killer. But it's based oh, off of an orca. <laughs> okay, <Yeah. same> <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it was based off of that because, you know, it's it's all about crushing topwater and freaking killer whales crush little seals on topwater. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the awesomest thing ever to watch that. So we we're just trying to emulate that. So we have Harbor Seal, obviously, and the killer. We uh, we designed those that came out at the same time uh, with those as well. So um, but fun stuff, you know, and you know, like they got some wild colors too. So I can't like this one here. The name changed. Oh my I gosh! Tell you online on because it's it's not like pretty. Is this the first so. look at that color? Mm -hmm. no, has anyone has has anyone else seen this color? Or is this the first look at this color of frog? First, first look. This was one. This one's Austin's. This is I think it's chameleon that's cool so if you'll notice in the spro line if we have a lot of bright frogs okay and yep. a lot of this stuff we sell overseas uh and in different markets and they crush them on the snakeheads with this yeah so that the snakehead love the, the bright colors like that and they even have them in like, like king daddy colors uh i don't know if i have any here but anything bright super super bright mm-hmm you know that's that's it right there. So that's, yeah, that so one just came out, as you can see. It that those that that looks like a walleye crankbait color. Yeah. If you're if you're if you're listening to this on iTunes, it's a it's got a it's a bright chartreuse like a like a bobber color. 
chartreuse. Like you remember those those bottom. styrofoam chartreuse floats, and then it's got what color is that? An orange head, green stripes on the back, an orange butt, and then uh, orange and chartreuse legs. There you go. All built around the gammy. Yes. That's the foundation right there. It's the four out Gamagatsu Superline Frog and Hook. You're grabbing stuff back there. I had one more crankbait question that I wanted yep. to ask you because we are getting to that time of the year. And believe it or not, fish will still lead a crankbait. Uh, oh, they crush it. They crush it. Okay. So the difference. So when are you throwing the Speed Demon 55 and when are you throwing a rock crawler? Because you throw them during the same time of the year. But to me, it seems like totally counterproductive. One is er, 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 and down there, and the other is brr, and shallower. But I mean, is that a fair question? Absolutely, because so many tournaments that we fish you're early in the spring, in the backs of the pockets, a lot of times there'll be bait back there, and and there, you know, you need something that's going to dive, you know, anywhere from three to five feet in that in that depth range. And when you you know, and I've seen it so many times, it doesn't matter where what part of the country I go to. It seems like there's always some kind of bait fish that's, you know, because the water's down, usually a lot of times in the backs of the pockets. Uh, and it can be secondary uh, pockets all the way in the back, you know, just little things. But anyways, stuff that where uh, the rock crawler just just is too much for it, okay? You need something that where the fish are, are feeding on bait fish. So that's where the speed demon comes in. Okay. And, and then even if you have like, you know, a, a do-nothing bank, you'll have some sporadic rock here and there. And watercolor has a lot to do with what the color I would throw for that. So time of year, you know, if the lake has a lot of rock in it, I'll be more to go to a crawdad pattern. Uh, if it's more of a shallow lake, you know, if it's, you know, the ones that are silted in, they're old lakes, then I would go to, to the shad pattern uh, on that for the uh, speed demon. Yeah, exactly right there. And then the, the blue and chartreuse is a great color. It's one of my favorites. Um, I use that one all the time. And, uh, but you know, for that. And then on top of that, you know, a Spro Ruku Shad, you know, Matt, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's dynamite. And um, I've really like in the last two years, last three years, especially here at home, I've really learned a lot about that bait. Um, and I've always thrown it, but I've never really thrown it like, like I do now. And, and I, and it's, I guess maybe it's one of those things where you just, there's so many other things going and you just, you pick it up and you start learning more about it. So now I know why Kevin Van Dam always won those classics every time on the red eye shed. Uh, oh yeah, like, early in the year bait. he's burning yes. it. No one else is doing that. I know, and I'm like, how in the heck? And then, and then I started doing it two years ago, two and a half years ago here, uh, burning the dang thing. And the water temperatures in the 50s, you know, low 50s, and man, and you just burn it real hard, hard, and you, and you kill it, you know, hop it, you know, let it flutter down. I mean, all the different things now, and they 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 freaking crush it. I mean, when, when you think you need to go slow, it's the complete opposite. And it always fascinated me whenever I watched, you know, Kevin Fish um, on how fast he was burning that dang thing and how the fish would react to it. And, and now I understand it. Now I got it. So now it's like I've, I feel like I've added something more to my arsenal now and uh, another thing that I could use, um, you know, and especially this past fall during the team series, which you'll see, you guys will see this spring. We uh, you can see a lot of, a lot of Ruku Shad action on, on my part. It was, a, it was a fun event doing a lot of different things. So it's cool. It's interesting, and like not to bring it back to forward facing, but to be able to see how the fish react to baits, and how over the last couple of years we found out, oh, it'll be a thirty-eight degree water, and you'll have a fish. I mean, it's not like he's floating slowly up to yeah. it in the subtypes, mm -hmm. but like 
I mean, you're thinking these suckers are 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 dang near popsicles down there, and they're like shoot, boom, boom. And I mean, you're like, holy cow, they're so much more active and so much more predatory than than I think 99% of people ever gave them credit for, and what we read in Bassmaster and what we read in FLW for decades and decades about you know once it hits that 50 degrees and how they go to wintering holes and how they sit on the bottom and how you have to crawl a jig. Like, dude, just over the last four years, five years, it's amazing how little credit we gave fish in cold water when it came to eating i know i know and that's and that's what i was brought up reading you know we didn't have this, the internet we didn't have all this stuff where you could watch youtube videos uh i read all my stuff from uh, illustrations from bernie schultz on bassmaster magazine you know or outdoor life or field and stream or you know i just go bass and i mean you can go on and on about all of the magazines i mean but that was the only material we had back then and it like echo what you said, basically that's what happens. They just shut down. And I think that the knowledge of the angler back then is, is you know, is, I mean, we are decades ahead of that. I mean, just, I mean, light years ahead of, of, of that way of thinking. And a lot of it has to do with the sonar, you know, the side imaging, the down, you know, all the down, all that mm -hmm. stuff that we have now in the forward facing where you could actually watch them uh, and how they react and where they're located and how they're, you know, just being able to see that and then to watch your bait actually come through the water column um and it doesn't matter it's not like you know you're casting into a pool where it's nice and clear i mean it could be muddy water you can still see your bait clear as day on the screen and like you mentioned man when they when they're ready to eat i mean they're they're charging they're coming you know mm -hmm. so um and it's just one of those things where you know it, it just it really opens your mind up and when you think that you've you've got a pretty good handle on it it's just like dang it man that's another thing I got to think about. Another thing, you know, and then you're constantly on the water. For me, I'm constantly evaluating the situation I'm in. Always, always thinking about where I'm at. Always thinking I need to move. I need to move. I need to move. You know, quick, 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 and trying to break it down as quickly as I can, and and to get on them as quickly as I can. Um, you know, to, because of the every fish counts now. So basically, we're back to that again, and which is fine. I don't mind doing that because uh, I won doing that. It's, mm -hmm. it's not a not a big thing for me, uh, but. You know, it's 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 the, the the training of just getting ready for that next, you know, seven and a half hours of just go 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 go. You know, mm -hmm. um, and so it I like it. You know, it keeps me sharp. And um, you know, lately I've been fishing like three days a week, three four days a week. So I'm I'm in great fishing shape right now. Uh, I feel really good, and um, you know, anxious to get the season started. You mentioned that how that a lot of guys picked up on that and. You know, even go back to October of 2011 when Elias was cranking the the Alabama rig next to the bridge pilings, and then how that Alabama rig was in the winter where you had guys on 60 pound tests just winding the thing in, and how they were catching them in shallow, and then the KVD with the red eye shads and the lipless, like the fish were telling everyone, hey, you you don't have to be crawling a jig or a a, a tube or a drop shot or anything like this in the winter. Like we'll mm -hmm. we'll eat stuff that's moving. But, yeah, I mean, you still then you'd hear, but but I mean, I'd be out with Mike McClellan, and he'd be like, "Dude, this is the greatest example." I want your thoughts on this. So Grand Lake, right? Like I fished out there with McClellan. I've covered the Van Dam. Mm -hmm. I remember Van Dam on the Grand Classic, which we're coming up on the the next Grand Classic here in a couple of months. But he'd be like, "Dude, I can't do that sitting still thing. Like they're gonna eat it." And he's jerk, he's moving the bait. It's super. But then you get out there with Mike, and he's like, "Man, you're gonna get it down there, and then you're just gonna give it a little pop. Then you're just gonna." You're just going to let it just kind of mosey on down there and sit. You know, he put the number, uh, he put the four 
the bronze on the front with an extra split ring so that thing would just and then he dude he he can let that thing sit there for a minute and then kevin can't let it sit there for two seconds it's crazy how it's just drastically different as far as movement yeah that's the personalities of every angler on tour nobody is the same you know everybody has their own way and their own technique of of how they got there and the success they've had in the past uh so that's a great analogy matt because you have you know kevin fastest and then you have mike mm -hmm. that you know who's who's a, a more attentive fisherman meaning you know slower and, and working the cover and and doing all that and look they're both great they're both great anglers yep. you know and they've, they've had big wins and you know and so everybody has their own little niche and if you go down the list you know on all the tours it don't matter what it is i mean you could always pinpoint that particular guy what he likes to do and what he's good at mm -hmm. so you know and and the cool thing about score tracker on, on the mlf side you you know when somebody's catching them you know you know their style okay so you, you know that that's probably what they're catching them on it's a high probability of that you know so it's it's it, it, it helps you break it down even faster um on that and so for me it's it's just a lot of information and like i said i'm always evaluating i, I love having the score tracker on so for me i want to know what everybody's doing i want to know every catch i want to know everything what's going on because there's guys in and around you you know that you see you're not fishing next to them but you see where yeah. you know where they drive by or whatever you know so you kind of get a sense of you know the the uh basically the adjustments that i need to make you know to get to get where i'm at or if i'm good you know and you'll you know you just you just get on the pattern and just go and so i like to know because there are certain times of the day when, when they're, they're biting you know and you'll see that mm -hmm. when the score tracker lights up and for a lot of a lot of guys it's 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 hard it's hard to listen to that because you're when you're not catching anything you know i've been on the receiving end of that as well and they're just crushing them i mean it's it's a, it's it hurts man it's like man what am i doing wrong and you know how do i make the adjustments and what do i need to do and and so but I always use it as a tool. I want to know what's going on on the lake. I don't want to be blind to it. Um, you know, back in the day, you would just catch your 18 pounds or whatever and just go, you know, you know, we'll just see what happens to the weigh-in, you know? So this is more up to date. It's faster pace. It keeps me thinking all the time, reacting and changing with the fish. And that's, that's what I think is, is, is really key for, for the way I like to fish, um, you know, and, and just always trying to stay on them. All right, you mentioned the bite windows, uh, and it's it's it is a lot more uh, apparent in the every fish counts format when you're seeing everything move. I mean, it's in Bassmaster too, where they're going. He's hooked up. He's hooked up. He's hooked up. But yeah. but the MLF. So okay, you've been doing this a long time, Dean. The bite windows. It, I, I don't. Let me see if I can. Let me pose this question correctly. Is it fishery dependent or is it is it solar lunar stuff? Is it current driven? Is it light? penetration driven what in your opinion creates bite windows across the lake it's not just you know there's a difference between a guy stumbling on a group of schooling fish and catching them every cast but when you see guys in one entire section or one end of the other just lighten the thing up in your opinion break that down for me on what is causing those fish to ignore it one second and snap the next so I, I know that's yeah, an impossible question. It's, it's no, it's a, it's a, it's a big question because you got to look at time of year. Okay. So yeah. like, okay. So we'll just say like right now, wintertime. Okay. Yep. It's cold right now. So they're going to bite first thing in the morning because the water temperature is not going to change much. Uh, you know, it's been cold all night. So it's probably, in, you know, 50, whatever. 
So a lot of times those big ones, they eat at night. And so your best crack at them is probably the first hour of daylight to, to catch them when it's cold like that. And I know it's freezing. Your hands are cold from the run and everything like that. But, dude, that's when they bite. Okay. And then at that point, then usually around 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, it, it's a slow drag. Okay. Unless you have current. If you're fishing in a river, you know, they're all going to be current-based. Okay. And so they're, they're easily positioned. But if, if they're not, you're just in a lake. You know how the lake gets flat about nine ten o'clock there's no wind bright skies you know and then again the weather's everything if it could be cloudy it could be stormy if they're stormy they're going to bite all day during the winter time but if they're if it's flat calm high pressure it's, it's going to be a morning deal and then they're going to bite about 11 o'clock 11 to 12 especially if the moon's get, getting ready to come in or it's going back out okay so that that is always the i remember i would always want to be on my best stretch my best area first thing in the morning and then at high noon, okay, I've caught more big fish uh, in between like 11.45 and like 12.30 in that window. And, and always on a, on a full moon or, a, you, know, a, you know, when it's coming, you, it's better on the incoming full moon than it is on the outgoing, uh, you know, the, the laning, waning uh, of the moon. So, um, and I always keyed on that. I always, I talk to Austin all the time. I said, make sure, you know, we have a full moon and make sure you're on your best spot between 11:30 and 12 at high noon because that's when them big ones bite. It's a it's a 6 hour it's a 6 hour swing for them. And I and I don't don't ask me why, it just happens. And I just I've learned over the years to try and be in that area uh, or that spot or that stretch or that part of the lake during that time um, of the year. Now, if you're summertime, same thing. First hour, man, you got to catch them quick, you know. Um, same same type of deal and then they're probably going to bite in the afternoon the wind picks up. Boat traffic has a lot to do with it, you know. Um, the water temperature current all that stuff so it, the windows um are different on every lake and i think a lot of it has to do with the weather um has a big thing to do with that because if it's cloudy i mean you know i could talk about the the classic there in tulsa i mean it was you know 20 degrees when we launched that morning you know but they bit all day long until it was in the 50s uh, when we when we finished up there but that just happens and and you got to be on them you got to be around them you got to be in the right area when all that happens and that way that's when magic happens and that's when you, you freaking hammer them that's that's what you want that's that's what we do this for uh we're gonna take a first break of the show i do let's wrap up let's wrap up the bait section though i did see a couple others in the background have you messed with the glide at all yet yes i have what are your thoughts on that i've that's never that's even right. kind of talked to you about your uh, opinion on glides yet you haven't you're not really known as a swim bait guy, but what are your thoughts on the, uh, on the Spro, uh, KGB Chad, Chad glide? Love it. Love it. It's great. It's, uh, it's another technique that, um, you know, I'm learning in the process mm -hmm. of that. Um, but it's all, it's all situational, you know, basically on that end. So, um, you know, if you're fishing for five, you know, that's probably, you know, a good, a good way to go. Um, if you are in every fish format, it would be sp uh, spot specific, you know, you run up to a point or a dock, you know, or an outcrop or whatever it might be. And that's a, you know, five or 10 minute deal. And then if you, you know, if you get there then you can move on from there, but it, you're always testing the waters with that thing, especially in, in that format. But if, you know, it's become very popular, but I grew up with some weights. I mean, ever since I was, gosh, uh, 20 years old when they had it, when Alan Cole had the AC plug, the big jointed plug that they threw at Castaic. And caught all those, you know, 18 pounders and 17 pounders on that big imitation swim bait, you know, and you got Huddleston's, you got Stag, and it's just an evolution of all of that. Um, this 
you know, the glide bait is, is something that is, I think it's what's cool about it is it, because it's visual, you can see it, you can, you can give the action that you want. And it's more of a, a clear water kind of stained water type thing, mm -hmm. you know, depending on where you're at uh, on that. So look, it catches big fish, there's no doubt about it. So, you know, it's obviously another tool in the arsenal that we need on the tour. Uh, if you had to pick a group that was more fanatical, are you going to pick the swim bait guys or are you going to pick the frog guys? I would probably say the wiggle war guys. <laughs> That's a whole different bunch there. I mean, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. It's, it's in a good way too, because, but look, you know, what's so cool about that is, is that word fanatical. All right. They have a deep passion and they love it. And, you know, seeing those swim baits being made in garages, you know, in Southern Cal and, you know, on the West coast, a good friend of mine, Billy Skinner down South in Yuma, he builds some amazing stuff and stuff you would never see. And, and it's their mind. It's the way they work and their, their attention to detail. And that's where it starts. I mean, you have Japan, we have a lot of Japanese that come over here as well. Uh, a lot of the companies and so forth. So they're integrated with that as well. So you have the, the Japanese genre and then you have the American, you know, homemade stuff and you combine them and then you create, you know, baits like this, you know, or better. I mean, there's so many different things on the market right now. And I've seen so much of it and yeah, it works. It's great. But fanatical, I think we all are. And I think I, I wouldn't even want to put one over the other because they're all the same. They're just passionate about what they do. And that's awesome. That's yeah. I like that. Show that, uh, show that OG frog with the skirts that are all melted off. That's 23 years old before we go to break. <clears throat> So that right there, guys, the, the legs have come off, but that is the original bronze eye frog. This was the there first prototype that I got uh, 24 years ago. I mean, that's right after uh, the classic there at Wiley. And, uh, but that was the first, you can see how big the top here. It's just, it's unproportioned and everything, but uh, the skirts are all melted uh, <laughs> because it's 24. You can see them in the plastic there. Yeah. They're all, they're all gummed up and everything. So quarter century um, old frog skirts right there. <laughs> That's right. So I don't know what chemical imbalance is going on right there, but it's a mess. Yeah. Whoa. You there? Uh, it's all good. Did I get, did I lose you? I got you back. Uh Oh, nope. I got you back. You're yeah. uh, yep. Uh, you guys go to Santee this year, right? Yes. Isn't that where you learn how to throw that thing? The sumo frog? No. No? No. I learned here on Lake Havasu. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah, I don't have the sumo frog anymore, but uh, that, that classic uh, going into the final day when I was leading it, and Taco Hero was right behind me, and uh, I got a call from sumo frogs that night. They offered me a contract if I won on the frog, and uh, I turned them down because – the, the frog was really good at that time, but I knew the changes that I wanted to make and I knew how, what I wanted and I knew it could be way better than what it is. And so, um, shortly after that, I had a meeting with Spro and, uh, sat down and they said, Dean, just build it. I don't care how long it takes and go ahead. We, we use all the resources. Um, we have, and I built it, I designed it and, uh, I have the actual drawings too, somewhere around here. But, I think um, I've seen those before. They're really cool. Yeah. It's just the way it, the first mock-up of it, what I want it to look like. And, you know, and then that was your first, that's the first prototype that I got. Uh, and it was that one. And then I have a junior frog as well. Uh, so you can see the two different sizes here. 
So okay. we're going to make a junior, junior, and the sixty-five bronze. So those, those are, are the original the first two. Yes, uh-huh. and then I have the poppin' frogs as well, uh, because we when we did all this, we made a poppin' version and the bronze. So those were the two that we came out with. Well, the bronze eye sold so well, we sold so many of them that we put the popper on the shelf because they couldn't keep up with production. And so we, we waited another two years after that. And then we introduced the popping frog, which is almost surpassed in sales as a 65. It's, it's, it's an incredible bait. Uh, it's, Did you debut it, that one at Oneida that year? Where you're throwing yes. them on the edge of the grass and you're going, boo, mm-hmm. boo, and those they yep. were coming out and just cry. I remember yeah. watching that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, it was neat because I would throw the bronze eye, you know, in and around the grass on the main lake. And then when I got up in the river, uh, the popping frog was like killing it, you know I mean? Cause I caught a couple of small, of, sm- of uh, small mouth on the popping frog fishing for large mouth on the popping frog. And then I went up to the river there and I, I started catching them up there cause I hadn't thrown it up there and boy, they were just eating it. But, and there hasn't been a good one caught in that river since then, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you know, since the Golbies now, the largemouth fishing is not really that good anymore. So it's uh, it's changed the whole dynamic yeah. of, of Lake Oneida as well. Are you guys good? You're not going to Oneida this year? No, Oneida. We're going to the St. Lawrence again this okay, year. Yeah. So Oneida, uh, I've spent a ton of time on there now. I do the Kirk Doves Pro Bass Camp. I fish two mm-hmm. opens. I've spent probably 20, 30 days out there freaking awesome again like the smallmouth are getting big they're all mm-hmm. goby related the largemouth yeah. are coming like it's top five on my like just favorite go out i mean you're not gonna do saint lawrence stuff on oneida but you can consistently know you're gonna be between 19 and 22 out there it's so much yeah. fun mm-hmm. and it's amazing yeah. how quickly they've changed from uh they, there were some herring in there from herring and the bait fish and the uh perch to goby eaters like that and then their whole body shape since the time i was covering you guys where they were mm-hmm. you know you had howl out there with the pop r and all those guys and you know 13 14 pounds was good on smallmouth. they're mm-hmm. they're like pit bulls now yep it's amazing what the golbies do and, and how it changes that the dynamic of of a lake like that and you know the bass are singing too of course you know we were up there for the first one we uh when i won that one and the next one was uh you know, I was leading it, and then we had our final round there at Lake Onondaga, which was just, you know, 10 miles from there, our final round. But even then, I led there, and all of it was frogging and, and, and flipping, flipping the fighting frog and, um, you know, and, and frogging. And so it was it was really – I had to really – I used, utilized the whole lake, um, and I, would, I wouldn't even go to certain sections because I knew I had to save it, you know, for four days. Uh, it's very difficult. Look, I, if, it was, if there were three-day events, I would probably have four or five more career wins. Uh, attached to my name. Uh, but the fourth day is like the wild car because it's very, very hard to have the same conditions where they're biting a frog for four straight days, unless you're on a body of water, you know, where you're just like lacrosse, for instance, we'll just use that as an example. I mean, you could frog for four days and, and catch them. You can't do that. Like on the Arkansas river, you know, or, you know, Mississippi. I mean, just all these different places that where I've caught them at, I'll top out on the third day and then the weather will change or something will happen. The key is to get it on the front side to where there's no frog bite going on in practice. And then it evolves into a frog bite. And that's where it'll carry you into, you know, like the Smith Lake event where I won. They wouldn't touch a frog, it was cold, you know? And then it got warmer and warmer. And then it was just, it, they, just they just ate it, man. And then, and that's, that, that's the cool thing about just being current and, and rolling with it, you know, and always trying to, to see, because they're gonna let you know in the first 10 minutes whether, whether they like the bait or not, whether they're gonna get it. So. 
Uh, you don't have to spend a whole lot of time, which I've learned <laughs> to uh, kind of time myself, you know, on certain stretches in certain areas. I mean, they're going to they're gonna let you know if they want or not. Right, we're going to take our first break when we come back more with Dean Rojas, January 3rd, 2024, on a Wednesday. A lot of good info in that first segment. A little old school, a little new school, a little education, a little solar lunar, all sorts mm-hmm. of good stuff in that. We'll be back right after this. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. guys if you're a construction worker soccer dad soccer mom you want to be outdoors oh you've seen the reaper this right here is the zip up full reaper but it's windproof folks windproof and it actually has the mass built in it's behind me i mean if you can look good feel good and stay warm you better check it out it's the zip up reaper that's right windproof are you looking to install your own fishing electronics the solution is the bass tank power harness It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. Welcome back, BTL, on a Wednesday, talking with the one and only Dean Rojas. You mentioned uh, Austin a little bit. He's like kind of back in your neck of the woods now, isn't he? Yeah, he's back here in Lake Havasu now, and he's finishing up. Uh, he was at Simpson University the last three years, and uh, he got all his lower division done, and now he's focusing on you know what he's going to be doing as an accountant, a CPA type of stuff. So he loves he loves the numbers, and uh, he's working down at – Bass Tackle Master, which is like one of the top five tackle stores in the country. It is it is one of the best. And I've been in all of them. And uh, it's it's cool because it's such a neat place. Uh, and they've got all stuff that from Japan that you can't find anywhere else. I mean, it's 
It's Bass there. Tackle Master. Mm-hmm. Yep. You've been there, Matt. Right. You know, Matt, that's you were, the one that's that's the one that's got all the mounts of the four pound shell cracker. Readier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. no, that is well, no, a crazy they're five sport. pounds. They're 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 five pounders. Fives. That is a crazy, crazy store. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Like, you do not want to go into that if you value, if you value like financial security. So, but, you know, you know, you know, you know, Dave Rush, when he comes out yeah. here, so like he goes to the back because the back corner is all like secondary tackle, people coming to sell their tackle and stuff. Dude, you, I can't tell you how many wiggle warts I found back there because nobody throws them out here. Okay. It's not, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a niche thing, but you're like, dude, that's a, $40 crankbait and it's like three bucks, you know, and because it was in somebody's tackle box that, you know, that, that got passed down and then eventually found its way to, cause people just go there and they sell their tackle or get rid of it. Um, you know, and, and we have a lot of retirees here. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, if the, the guy passes or whatever, they'll just bring their stuff down to the store and then, you know, John will, will buy it from them and then uh, they'll put it up there. But you could buy, I mean, I bought a lot of stuff down there, a lot of hand poured stuff, uh, custom stuff that you never see. Um, and it's just, it's wild. And Dave just, he just spends hours down there. He goes, I'm going down to the store. I said, all right. So it's, uh, but it's a cool little deal. It's got, it's got everything that you can think of. Um, all the latest gear that you would find at any small, you know, tackle store throughout the country that has the right stuff. For that particular lake it's just amazing you can find whatever you want there it's awesome and uh and austin works there then like yeah he works there he works there five days a week right now and of course he has you know the whenever he has a that's the beauty of it because you know whenever there's a tournament he gets he gets off he gets time off just like, mm. like that i mean just but he'll work the extra extra days what he needs to but um he, he just it's good because it's, it's teaching him you know business sense uh accounting you know, all the stuff that goes on with that. And, and for him, it's, it's really uh, helping him, you know, get to where he's at uh, for his future, where he's at. So um, that picture right there, that's the Spro Frog Tournament here in Arizona uh, on Lake Havasu because, you know, we have one every year. We average about 100, 110 boats, which is a lot for this lake. Um, and, but it's not like, you know, Gunnersville where they get 300 and so forth. But it's a fun event. Spro supports it. They do a great job with that. Uh, when I'm in town, I always like to MC it because, you know, these are my, the people I see all the time at the local mm-hmm. tournaments and so forth. And, and it adds a nice, nice little uh, twist to the event. Uh, so I do a lot of speaking engagements and talking and visiting with the people. So it's always good. Uh, Spurs is a great company. They've been with them almost 20 years now and they're just fabulous people. And, and they, they just want to build baits that catch, catch fish, man. It's awesome. And then uh, Cam is still flying the friendly skies. Yeah. My oldest, uh, he's a pilot right now. He's flying cargo right now for UPS and FedEx and he's got about 1800 hours right now. So he's got one more rating and then he's going to go up to the airlines or fly cargo. He hasn't decided yet. I told him he needs to get on like, he needs to apply for like Hawaiian airlines cause he's single right now. <laughs> I go, dude, they, they'll fly anywhere. They'll go to Tahiti. They'll go to Europe. Wow. They'll go to Australia. I mean, New Zealand. I mean, look, dude, that's who you want to fly for. You can see the whole world and, and get paid for it. So, and he's like, oh, dad, I like the sound of that. So he's got to get one more rating before he can go after them. But he's excited. He thinks he can get it because they're short on pilots right now. So he's uh, he's looking. He'll be fine. He's, he's a great, great little kid. Kid, He's my son. Um, but He's um, a grown adult, man. <laughs> I know. 
He's I know, not, but it's like he's not a great little kid. He's like a grown adult with a career. I know. But, it's like but Matt, you don't Jeffrey's have kids. Still, Matt, I know. Jeffrey still thinks of me like I'm an 18-year-old intern. Yeah, because you are. 20 years just, later. Yeah. So all those years we traveled together. So like a little backstory for you don't know for the new viewers here. So Panger used to cover all the stuff for Jeffrey's in the bath zone. And so we would him and Harold Allen and Mark Jeffries would would the legend would do the shows. And then Mark was doing all the content. I mean, uh, Matt was doing the content uh, for that as well. So we spent a lot of time together. And um, if many of you know about the Gander, I uh, want to sponsor with Gander Mountain for nine years. We did the Gander on tour. And that was the first time that that was ever done. We didn't know what we were doing, but Matt did all the filming for that and the editing on his computer every night. Was uh, daily tournament coverage, day like before that mm -hmm. existed. Yes. And you know, we had, we put it on YouTube, but nobody would watch it because nobody knew anything about it. And, and so it was the early stages of all that. And, um, you know, we just, it was cool. And I look back at those sometimes and look at those events and, and, and so forth and the places we stayed and the people we met. You remember that, that GP eight guy down in, uh, Florida. Paul, that, that got, I just told God. that story. I just told that, uh, that story on a different, someone was like, what's the craziest sponsor deal you've ever heard of? And I mentioned what, what I've never actually heard from you. What actually, I don't even know how to attack this one, Dino. This was the wildest thing I'd ever seen. So uh, any statute limitation is passed. I would love to know what the hell happened with that deal. So it, it's a common theme in, in uh, professional bass fishing, especially at, at our level. Um, you get a lot of people that with, with money or, or they say they have a lot of money and uh, you know, they want, they love bass fishing and they want to get involved. And so whenever they, you do that, you, you're looking, you're looking at them. They're like, I'm going to, I'm going to get Kevin Van Dam. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get ski. I'm going to get, I can, whatever. He's going to go through the whole gamut of who they're going to get and all the money. And I know what those guys make. And I'm like, dude, you better have a big, big, big checkbook, you know, on all of that stuff. He's like, no, no, we got it. We got it. This is that. So that's how this whole water thing came, came to be. And, uh, you know, when, when they, they come to you and they start talking about it and they're like, okay. And then when it comes down to the money aspect that there's always an excuse or there's always something that comes up. So, uh, and Matt, you were still with me. We were doing the gander stuff down there in Florida, down and down there at Okeechobee. <laughs> it was and, weird. Yeah. He flies down there and, and then he, he calls me and he goes, Hey man, I lost my wallet. Um, you know, you know, I'm trying to get to you. So we going to talk and da, da, da. And, and he was just a mess and, and he's checking into the hotel and then he doesn't have any, and I, it was just, it was just a lot of mess around there. A lot. I of, remember that it was, uh, I dropped him off. So he, he ended up eating. Remember we ate dinner with that elderly couple who was staying in the trailer next, next to us. Yes. So and he, he was talking food. about what life was like as a professional angler. And he was the GPA water representative. We thought, do you remember like look at each other and you're like, wait a second, this guy doesn't like, doesn't fish. And he was pretending to be an elite series pro at dinner with the neighbors in front of you. Yes. And telling me how it's, how it is and how it's supposed to be. And you know, all the stuff that he has to go through for all that. And that's why the water was such a critical component. And it's something that we always, because we, we drink a lot of it and how important it is to have it on the boat and, you know, in everyday life for anybody who's in fitness or, you know, what we do on, on the water. So, you know, he was trying to tie all that in and the neighbors, you know, these are like 65 year old people. They have no idea like what the 80. hell he's talking about. Oh, 80. Okay. 
I was trying to be nice, man. <laughs> but, but I remember he bought all the food and that night and, and we just, we just listened to it all. And I don't know, he had that weird look in his eye. You know, you remember yeah. that where he just says, I mean, his, the way his eyebrows were and all that stuff, he just, it just didn't look right. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things. It's just, so anyways, that all departed. Uh, that so was I had to drop deal. him off at the hotel. Yeah. You remember that? So I drop him off at the hotel that night because I was doing chauffeur duties and he did like, like you had borrowed him money. And this was like the first day. This was before you realized the same thing had happened to Edwin, I believe. Right. Mm -hmm. Is there a number? Was it you, Edwin, Alton, Tim Horton, Tim, Tim, oh, Horton. Tim Horton. Yeah. I don't think Edwin will talk about it to this day. I really ticked him yeah. off what happened with yeah. that whole deal. But uh, so I drop him off at the hotel in Florida and he goes in the front door and I, I go get a drink or something at the gas station. That's like right next door to it. And as I'm leaving to go back to the house, he went in the front door. He didn't have a room at that place. I, I, I don't know where he stayed. He went in the front door. He went out the side door and didn't know he thought I was gone. And he had waited till he thought I was gone to make it think like he had a room there. And then he booked it into the woods. Like I watched him just like walk behind into the, florida scrub wow. and then uh yeah and then like it never never came about like the whole deal like it, it turns out he had gone to like i think edwin spot or something and been like hey man my wallet got stolen on the plane so we were telling about how this dude paul had had his wallet stolen and it was like wait a second that happened to me when he came and visited me and i ended up covering him and then didn't you guys end up contacting like the company and they were like yeah we've never heard of this guy yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he was just pushing it off, you know, on, on the, the company itself that had nothing to do with him. And uh, just one of those guys, you know, and you see a lot of it. And it's not only in our industry, it's probably in a lot of other mm -hmm. industries as well, you know, foundations and people. And they're almost like scammers in a way. I mean, they just, they, they just, they lie and they, they try to. I don't to know get what his end it. game was, though, just to be close I, to I, pro I, fishing. Yeah. And that a lot of it is, it's a lot that they just love it so much and they love being around you know if you will the stars of the sport and being around is. to where they, they can talk to them you know it's <laughs> something that hey don't you still have one of those bottles yes i need to find it i have an yeah, unopened you, you need bottle to put it on GPA. the shelf back there matt you need to put oh, it on the no, shelf 100 percent <laughs> but anyways just and, and you know it's that's like one of like a dozen of guys that have come to me and and, and not only me but all of the, the top tier guys you know, about, Hey, we want to do this. You know, we got this, what do you need? Da, da, da. And it's just all BS. It's just junk garbage, you know, and you just, you waste my time. And, you know, cause you, and there are times where it, it ends up working out, but for the most part, it doesn't, you know, it's just, it's, it's a hard, hard industry and you have to learn and know that and be able to, to, you know, to pick it out and, and just, you know, end it at that end. So, but he always had some excuse and some reason, but I got a couple of free cases of water, which I think we figured out he was buying the water like on his own dime and then shipping it to you guys. Like he wasn't even getting it from it'd be like getting a Mountain Dew sponsorship. And then you go to Costco or Sam's Club and buy cases of Mountain Dew and then ship it to the guys. <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely crazy. He was a super nice guy. I think he was he French Canadian or something. Yeah, that would explain quite a bit. Um they're, they're a little, I've spent some time up there in, in uh, Quebec. It's uh they're, they're a little different up there and you know, Oh yeah. Racing. Just, yeah. And that, and the, just when we went to, you know, with Gander mountain, I did a lot of stuff up there cause they're in Minnesota. 
spent a lot of time in Canada as well uh, up there. So, it, you know, look, it's, it's, it's cool what we do, you know, uh, fishing for a living and so forth. And, you know, a lot of people just like to touch it and be around it and, and so forth. And I love it too, because that's something I've always wanted to do since I was, you know, 13 years old. So for me, I, I get it. I understand it and, uh, and stuff. So it's just, it's just part of it and just people, you know, I will say that you've always kind of been not kind of you've, you have been, uh, cutting edge when it comes to sponsorships and look mm -hmm. and image. Yeah. And this past year, I'll throw this up. You, you iced out, uh, the blazer with the mm -hmm. white Suzuki poles and the seats and the uh, bling on the front half and then the white motor. Uh, just talk a little bit about how that came about to go. I mean, would you call it iced out? No, I would call it um, more marketing and attention uh, on that end. Yes, it is white. It's different. We've never had a white engine uh, that, I'm, that I'm aware of uh, on any professional tour. Uh, you know, meaning the elites and, and the Bass Pro Tour, you know, to where it's that. Uh, secondly, Suzuki's making a huge move right now to get in the market. What better way on their brand new 250SS to get the attention by running a white motor? It sticks out. People see it. And the boat's just sitting right here. It's, it's unwrapped. It's a beautiful boat. And uh, I'm going to be ready for, to sell it here probably in about, about two months or so. I'll be ready to, to unload that one. So if anybody's interested, it's I haven't put it out there yet, but um austin uses it now but the, my new boat so you see that right there matt mm -hmm. that color my my new boat is the complete opposite of that oh did you go all black really so yeah so i was in uh i was in panama city uh two weeks ago right before christmas i was down there for a week and uh suzuki we shot a bunch of video uh with my new blazer it's all blacked out matte finish completely different from what I've been doing, but we filmed a lot of TV commercials down there, a lot of photo shoot, a lot of video, still photography, and you'll be seeing all the Suzuki commercials. You'll see me in it driving the boat. It was kind of neat because I was the only bass boat guy there, and they had, you know, like a Freeman that had quad 350 Suzukis and, and every kind of boat you could imagine, you know, that was inshore, offshore, um, a little bit of lake stuff in there, but they were all matted out blacked out suzuki um bad the bone i mean they look sweet wait till you guys see the commercials they're gonna make the uh, announcement at um and launch it at the uh, miami boat show in february so you'll see all that you'll see all the video uh and but look i've always been like a red and you know guy and you know the yeah. blue when i was with that and then now it's just like I'm, everything's gonna be black you don't have accent you don't have red accents i do a little bit Okay. Not not on the boat though, not on the boat. In my jersey, you'll see the, you'll see little red red accents in the on the my jersey, but on the boat, no, it's just uh, and black carpet, again, everything. No, it'll be gray. It's it's okay. more they're, they're it's a whole stealth line. It's basically what they're mm -hmm. calling it. And so, you know, Suzuki's a great you know they're they're a wonderful company, great people, and you know, and that's what you have to do in this industry. That's how I've done it uh, is working really closely with the brands. It doesn't matter if it's Spro, doesn't matter if it's Suzuki or Blazer, you know, or Gamagatsu, Epic. I mean, I can go all down all the way. It's fit Power Pole, same thing. I mean, all those brands, you know, I have a really tight relationship with. And where I, we, I bounce a lot, of, a lot of ideas off of them on what we need to do, how to promote it, where to go here, do this, do that. And so, like, it's a big pie, if you will. Okay, mm -hmm. so there's a, there's a big portion of that pie that comes down to 
um, you know, working with the brands and making sure they succeed and promoting them in a way that, that they want to be promoted at to where it gets the most attention for them, obviously, because you're trying to sell product. So with that being done, and then, you know, with me designing baits for, for Big Bite and for, you know, Spro and then the Suzuki launch, all this stuff, I had a lot to do with a lot of their marketing and stuff, just because I've, I've, I've seen what, how, how all that comes together. And, and it's just a product of being, just being around, you know, brands my whole career and watching lots of them fail, you know, some of them, you know, make it, you know, and, and the ones that are already established and, and how to rebrand and how to, you know, get the attention that they're wanting. And so, you know, I work very closely with all the, all those big brands. Uh, a lot of them I've been with for a long time, you know, Spro 20 years, you know, power pole. I was the first one to run one in 2002, you know, I mean, this, I mean, we're going way back uh, on all this stuff. And, and, you know, these are just relationships that I have with these brands and, and help them every year, you know, to grow and to and produce products that are going to be uh, something that the average angler is, is going to use and have a positive experience out on the water. And that's what we want. We want people to have fun on the water and to catch a lot of fish and to have a positive experience because that way they buy more tackle, they buy more boats, they buy mm-hmm. more engines. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pie that you need and it's a, a wheel that you have to keep working at it uh, to be successful. So, you know, and, and, and that's where I think, you know, I, I'm pretty good at maybe 60, 40. My, my promotional side is really good. Fishing, you know, I'm, real, I'm good as well. I mean, but I understood very early that it's about the sponsorship. Um, I mean, I didn't grow up with rich parents, so I had to work for everything. So, but I un- understood the, the marketing of working with the brands and, you know, and when you did succeed, being with the right companies uh, because they're the ones that are going to fund you, uh, you know, to get to this. And so I'm starting my 25th, 26th year of professional bass fishing. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things where you just, you have to do it at, at that level uh, and, and play on both sides, especially now with all the media outlets. So. Yeah. I mean, dude, you're, you're still old school, man. Like <laughs> think, I, no, you are, you're one of the, you're, you're one of the, remaining old school guys who are talking about you know 90 percent of the people coming in it's the youtube channel it's the social media followings mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. about content 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 and what you just described is a very traditional old school way relationships the marketing working with the brands providing uh uh, not only content, but material, bait design, lure design, working with everyone behind the scenes, putting in the legwork, going and visiting. It's it's a whole different animal than what we're seeing with the 19, 20, 21, 22 year old guys that are coming on and just saying, hey, I'm using this in my YouTube videos. I've got 100,000 followers on social media. This is a, a very old school, hard work mentality that I think a lot of the younger anglers who plan on doing this for 25 to 30 years could take some cues from and combine not only the new school, but that old school hard work approach that you just described. Yeah, because it's, 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 it's crucial. It's important for, for longevity in the sport. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and for the basis of, of a foundation for a career. Um, look, there, there are anglers that are exceptional anglers, but it's very difficult for them to put two sentences together. And then you have certain anglers that are really good at, you know, the social media side and, and the YouTube stuff and all that stuff. And they can't catch a bass, you know? So there's, there's a huge, you know, uh, swing when it comes to, you know, um, you know, being able to catch them and be able to promote in a correct way. 
So all I'm saying is just about balance, basically. Okay, I'm not saying you, you need to go one way or the other, but it, you have to ask yourself as an angler, you know, where do you see yourself in 10 years, in 15 years, in 20 years? Where do you want to be at? You know, and then these young kids, and look, it, I was young too. I still think I'm freaking 25 years old going on the tour for the first year. You know, I, I still do. It's, I still like, like every day I think about it, I, I got to get my stuff ready. I got to get ready. I got to get ready, you know, and, and have everything ready to go. Um, and for me, it's just a part of my life. And so, but on the backside of it, like I spent a lot of time promoting a lot of stuff, you know, video shoots, photo shoots, you know, for my, for my channels, all that stuff. You know, you have to stay on top of it. And has it changed? Absolutely. I mean, and so, but you have to evolve with that. And, but, you know, a lot of the times, you know, the sport's getting very, very expensive, um, you know, compared to when I first got into it. I mean, it was expensive back then, but not like it is now. Um, and so, like, it's, I feel like sometimes it's shrinking, um, you know, the, the, the field that or the anglers that can get into it. Um, but also the ones that are in it, like the young guys you talk about, Hey, you know, they're fresh out of either college or high school. And so they grew up doing with all this technology, um, you know, and all the stuff that's forward facing stuff. Um, and, and then, you know, how to catch them and, and, and for different species and for spotted bass, smallmouth, largemouth, all that stuff. So there's just a huge amount of information out there. You know, and these guys, these young kids, you know, they get it, they understand it and, you know, and be able to do all that stuff. So it, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot, but you know, they're really good at that, but, but it all, but see, Matt, it all boils down to like product development as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have to be involved in that. I mean, there has to be, you know, and then how are you going to promote it? That's those, that's the key. You could have the best bait in the world, but if you have Billy Bob's baits over here, you know, and it's a great bait, I mean, you know, how is, how are they going to get you to, to the, the distribution yep. and to where, you know, it can be successful. It can't. It's the same thing with the sumo frog to spro. So you weigh them, you know, spro is here and sumo's down here. I mean, they're just, it, it's, you have to go to a brand that can help you get the thing launched and get to where you need to be at. And so that's why you see, you know, the big top tier pros are always on those big companies because when they come out with something, they can distribute all across the whole country. But a lot of people don't want to talk about their baits, so they're quiet about it. They want to keep them secret. Hence, then you know, then their value. Is that even still of, a thing? Are there still guys that are keeping stuff secret, or with forty days of live coverage every year and seven million podcasts out there? I mean, is there any way to possibly keep something secret in twenty twenty four? Yeah, and I'll just give you an example of it. We'll just use the, the team series on the MLF side. There was guys who just wouldn't talk. They didn't want to give up the secrets of what. Oh, on your team. No, not on my, but other teams, other teams. Oh, you so it. you watch it and there'll be like some guy will be catching him, but he doesn't want to actually give it to the secret because then he knows a guy on his team is going to use it against him on the Bass Pro Tour next year and it could cost him a win. So then he's second. Okay, I'm interested in that. I'll be yeah, interested that's, in that. that's what I'm saying. I mean, it, it is. It's, you know, at this level, at my level, every, every small advantage you can get is critical. I mean, you have to have that. You have to have that bait you know, that, that technique or something or a little, you know, your cadence, whatever it might be, something that's going to generate strikes. And I told so you, you what the next big thing is. Yeah, I know. It's coming. I know. I, I'm, I know. I saw it already. I saw Lord it. Facing we sonar breaks. So it's constantly evolving, as you say. And so it's, um, it, it's headed that way. <laughs> They're guessing who it was. Thrift. Thrift is the number one guess on who refused to give up the goods. They probably watched the show already, so they probably. He's like, I don't know, man. I'm just smoking a cigarette and got a lucky bite. <laughs>
you you were but mentioning it, it happens. When, it's yeah, like, no, it's that way. You know, so it's it's, and that that's okay. You know, and I learned early on, like even with with the uh, with the frog and stuff, I could have kept it a secret, but I couldn't because yeah. I had cameras on me all the time, and so I just embraced it all, and uh, I tried to keep it like two years. You know, I tried to keep it quiet and. I was like, you know what? Hell no, we're gonna let everybody know about this because I want to sell a bunch of them. So let everybody. The one other I did, I did have heard people mention this, and I don't know whether it's true or not. So uh, we got the GP8 out of the way. I want to, I want to squelch <laughs> or confirm this rumor. So I mean, you've done interviews, you've talked on BTL about how you used to sling peanuts at Jack Murphy Stadium, mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, as a side gig in your tournament fishing. But is there any truth to the rumor that you would get just enough money to get to Vegas and have like a hundred bucks and there'd be a tournament and you'd have your boat in the parking lot of the casino and you didn't have enough to fish the tournament, but you'd roll in and you'd go to the craps table. And as soon as you made enough to fish the tournament, you were out of there, you'd go fish the tournament, you'd win. And then you'd have a little bit left over. Like did, was your early career funded on Vegas craps tables, Dino? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far to say that, but, uh, you know, there's always one, cause I was living in California at the time. So I'd always have to, you know, when I was there competing, I would never be on the table, you know, applying cause my focus was fishing Yeah, and we had a lot of big events there. You know, the U S open was there, the Wombass, and then we'd have uh Wombass events there as well. Uh, but, even when I'd go practice and stuff and I'd take, you know, uh, my wife with me at the time, you know, Renee, she's still here, but, um, but anyways, we'd go and, um, you know, we didn't have any money, hardly anything, you know? And so we would just go and I would always stop on the way out. And, you know, and at that time, okay, like a hundred bucks was a lot. Yeah. Then, okay. I mean, that was, that was a bunch. So, um, but I would spend, you know, probably $300 cause the rooms were like 30 bucks a night, 40 bucks a night at the hotel. And then, you have fuel. I mean, so, I mean, you're looking at about a hundred bucks a day, $150 a day, where now it's like $500 a day on tour. And so like it's 150 bucks. So I would always stop, you know, and just like, you know, I go, I told her, I said, look, just let me go in here and let me, you know, get on the craps table. But it's not like just going to a craps table and like, you know, put your money out there on the chips. You gotta, yeah, you gotta, you gotta see, you gotta feel the mood there. Okay. And a lot of you who've, who've watched Las Vegas and have been to Vegas, you see all the excitement that happens in and around the craps table. There's a lot of heartache that happens there as well. Uh, but for the most part, you have to read it. And my, my, the times that I've been on it where I've made the money, and, and usually I, I do it enough just to get, get out of there. Um, but the best guys who throw the dice are usually people that have never thrown it before in their life. They have no idea what the hell they're doing. They're just throwing them down the table and it's bouncing and, you know, it'll hit, you know, seven on the pass line on, you know, when it's coming out, but they never hit seven when there's a number that's, you know, on, you know, a six or eight or 10 or whatever the, the number is that, you know, on that. So, and they'll just roll for like a half an hour. And, and, and there are times where you're just rolled to a table and it's just, crapping out, crapping out, seven, 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 seven. And so the table never gets any momentum, no traction. So sometimes I just sit there, you know, for an hour and just wait and wait and wait. And you kind of look, I always look at the chips, see what everybody's got on the table or on their little cubby there to mm -hmm. see, you know, what they're, what they're making. And, uh, and then I'd be like, okay. And you, you could feel it. You feel it. Cause it's like fishing. It's like, you just, you know, you're going to get a bite. You know, it's like one of those things where you just feel it 
in here, you know, and it's, you know, when you do it so much, it, it comes quicker, but it's like, I knew at that time, I'm like, okay, it's time. So, you know, they'd roll and I'd put my money out there and boom, I'd, I'd make, you know, 30 bucks on that roll. Boom, they hit another one, 50 bucks on that roll. And then it would just roll, 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 roll. And then once I had the money I had on the table, I would give that to my wife and I'm like, okay, you know, just here's the money. Go. We're good, good to go. Everything else is gravy from here on out. So I would make, you know, sometimes a couple hundred, 400 bucks, 500 bucks at the table on the way back out and it would pay for my, my fishing. Okay. Idea. So there's so, some elements of truth to that story. Well, yeah. I mean, look, we used to dude. there's so many ways that we would try to save money and make money uh, to pay for our trips, you know, to the river and stuff like that. I mean, it just, we did everything we could, you know, to survive, um, you know, and chase this crazy dream of being a professional mm -hmm. angler, you know? And uh, so I understand the value of a dollar. I still do today. And I try to instill that in my boys. I do instill it in my boys. Yeah, one's and, an accountant um, major. Yeah, make sure that, you know, all that stuff. Because it, it matters. Because, you know, the worst thing you can do is have your kids being in debt and uh, and being in, in trouble when they when they just, they're, they, they're just starting out. So, um, you know, we have a system where they, they pay their bills and they're doing good. So, uh, and I guess that's our job as being parents. You don't have any kids yet. Maybe one day you will. But when you become a parent, you, you're always worrying about them, always thinking about them and thinking about how, you know, they're going to navigate through life, you know, as things are changing and evolving to where we grew up, um, you know, and all the stuff that they have to do. So um, as parents, you know, that's what we do is try to teach them things and stay away from the, the pitfalls and they're going to fall into them. And sometimes it's good when they do, because they learn, um, you know, what not to do. That's how we all learn uh, by failure and stuff like that. So, um, and that's okay. You just, you got to leave it there and move on. So, um, and that's what I've done my whole life and failed a lot. And, you know, thousands and thousands of people told me never make a professional anger. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what drives me. That's what motivates yeah. me. That's why I don't, I, I don't want to stop fishing. I don't want to stop competing. Sometimes it's a grind. Heck yeah, it's a grind, you know, and I spend a lot of time away from home, but damn it. I love it, dude. I love going up against the best. I do. I mean, that's what, I mean, like even with Kevin retiring, I'm like, cause he was always my kingpin. I mean, he was the, the guy that motivated me to want to whoop him, you know, bad. So like, well, now he's gone now. I mean, Jacob's great. And all those guys, they catch him, but it ain't like a Kevin Van Damme powerhouse. I mean, and, and I guess it's just because of my era growing yep. up with him um, of that. Um, but you know, the showmanship that he had, the professionalism that he had, you know, his candor, his jokiness, his love, his passion, all that stuff, just as a person, you know, it's just so, you know, it's just iconic, you know, and you know, it's just cool. You know, I got to spend my whole career battling against him. Oh God. It's, and then so every once in a while you'll go out and you'll catch uh 45 pounds in one day. Yeah. 45 to that's coming up a, like a, what, what's that? Like a two weeks away. January 17th. January Don't you always 17th. do a video every single. Yeah. Every last single year I was year? actually down there. Were, at yeah. And we had a bad signal. Yeah. So I but was we down were there. live for a while. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I, I like to go down there every now and again. Um, it, it's all of it's changed, you know, the whole, the way it looks now can compared to what it did back then. Um, but you know, it's just this last week we we're going through some stuff and I saw all the pictures and everything from that day. And like, you know, Cameron was, you know, one and a half and, uh, seeing Pee Wee and fish Fishburne on, on the stage up there and Dewey Kendrick, you know, all these guys, and some of these guys are not even here around the you know, Pooley Dawson. I mean, all the great people at Bass you know, that back then it was just, it was just neat. And just, you know, the, you know, just, and you realize time never stops. It just continue moves on and, and, uh, you know, and, and to embrace it and to enjoy every moment of it. And, 
And, uh, and I get to do that. You know, what's cool is I get to fish with my son, you know, all the time now. And he is a, he is a hammer, man. I mean, what's he good at? What's his jam? Like pick one. Like, I mean, you're obviously the frog guy, but pick what, like, what is Austin? Like if you had to pick Austin's best, like, like, oh yeah, this is in his wheelhouse. Where are we going? He loves stone swim baits. Really? He loves, yes, he does. He loves the crank. I mean, it's like, it's like me, but better in a way. I mean, cause he's so young and, and it took me like decades to get to where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's just like, bam, 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 bam. And picks up so fast. And then, you know, he's, he's got the bite and he's got the passion and, and he just wants to fish. And, um, but he's good at all of it. I mean, he skips a frog as good, if not better than I do. Really? And it's it just, yeah, just, just his, his technique. It's just, it's just smooth and effortless, you know? And I guess, I guess when I look at myself, it looks smooth and effortless when people watch me and stuff, but I look at it, I'm like, damn, you know, and his hook sets, his, his, his body positioning, his posture, everything about it is correct. And it's, and it's about, you know, form as well. Like any great athlete, you know, on how they position when they set the hook and all that stuff, fighting the fish, you know, you know, and, and, you know, he's, he's really good at that stuff, the stuff he's lacking. And I'll say that because it's important to look at that as well. Um, he's still trying to figure out how to find them as good. He's getting better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and his boat position is he's, he's, he's working on that right now. And I have to tell him that just, you got to think about angles. You got to think about how you want to approach this and how you don't want to blow out this. And they might be here and here or here and think about that and to where you're, you're always, your boat positioning is always key on where you cast. And if you get the bite, always anticipate the bite because at some point it's going to happen and you're going to be in a bad spot. We all are. You know where you're going down to reach your tree trolling motor or hitting a button or or do getting something you get you get a bite you know it, it's always trying to take that equation out to where when that bite comes you are ready for it good hook set you know good everything your mechanics bringing the fish in all that stuff and and those are the small details matt those are the small things the sharp hooks he changes treble hooks three four times a day on his crankbaits you know and just any little nick any little you know flange or bent he's i'm changing puts a brand new one Granted, not everybody can do that. I understand that, but you know, he's using hook sharpers. He's using everything, and he's mm-hmm. and he's like, "Hey, Dad, look at this." So he'll he'll do something with a bait, and I'm like, "Ooh, that looks good. I like that," you know. But he has that young, open mindedness, and of course, you know, working at the tackle store, they have fishing on 24 oh, yeah. seven. So he knows all he knows all the MLF stuff. He knows all the bass stuff. He yeah. knows all the techniques. So he's constantly watching that every day, and then selling the tackle. And in, he's in it all the time. So and he loves it. Over under five years before he's fishing against you. I don't know. I don't know. You, you need that that want and that hunger. And I, and it's not there yet, but it's up to him. I mean, he's got to step it up because there are kids that are, young, that are younger than him that are already on tour. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember Bradley Roy, when he came on, he was what? He was 19 18. or 20. 18, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, it's it happened back then, but it's probably more prevalent now. And, uh, and like, you know, when he was doing the collegiate stuff, we went back to a lot of those turn- tournaments on Dardanelle and, and Florida and stuff where I, we, we'd come see him and man, those kids are hammers, man. I mean, you can just see it. They got, they got all of that, you know? And so that's that new crop of guys that you're seeing right now, come on in. And, uh, you know, they've been, they, they're, they're well-versed. They're, they're well-educated in the aspect of the fishing realm of you know, c- competing and stuff. So. I said, look, dude, it's a tall order, and uh, you see how we've my career has gone. You know, it's it's not always you know peaches and cream all the time. You know, there's some pitfalls and stuff you got to deal with. So, 
you got to be able to weather those storms and, and, and continue you know, marching forward. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it, and he has to want it so bad that that you'll do anything just about to get there. And that's the way I was, you know, I had, to, I, that was my failure was not an option. That's, I had that mm-hmm. sign in my, in my garage. It's, it's not an option. You, you will make it, you know, and you have to have that, that fire and, and that, that want, you know, and all great athletes, it's not only fishing, go to football, you know, hockey, I mean, baseball. I mean, all those guys, it's whatever it takes, man, just get there, just get there. Next thing you know, you're battling against the, the best. It's awesome. I think that's a great, uh, that's a great and motivational segment to end on Dean. <laughs> well, it's my life. That's what I've done. It's, you know, it's, it's all what, who I am. And, um, you know, and just, you just, you have to have the eye of the tiger, man. It just, you have to have it because those guys will run over you. I mean, it's, they will just cream you and it's just, it's hard. It's really hard. It's not easy at all. And, you know, and you have to be mentally strong deep down. You got to believe in yourself and your heart that you can do it and, and compete against the best guys in the world. Anything else you want to get in here? Thank you for having me on the show. It's always good seeing you again. I After enjoyed all it. those years. Of traveling, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's cool. It's, uh, it's fun. I enjoy it. Give Jeffries a call. He'll love to hear from you. Okay. We'll give Mark a call. Hey, what's, have you, have you talked to the legend at all? Uh, I have not. He's, you know, he's still like flip phone, maybe available 10, 10 minutes a day, once a week type of thing. But, uh, I did, let's see if I can run out to the car. I do have something that you would absolutely love to see. Let me run the, the Gamagatsu Sunline commercial. I think I know where my keys are. I got to show you this. I got to show you this. All right. I got, uh, what's the longest What's the longest commercial? Oh, we'll run this one. I got a minute and 27 seconds. So hang tight. I'm going to run a commercial. Then we'll close it out with something that uh, Jeffrey's actually gifted me uh, yesterday. So BTL, uh, wrapping things up right after this. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back in a minute, 27 seconds. The great thing about the new Sensation Soft Plastics from Big Bite Baits, heavily scented, super soft, buoyant, comes in seven great new shapes. I've got a couple of them of my signature series, the Cliffhanger Worm, and the ram tail craw, great for a flipping jig, football jig, swim jig, all that. Several other great shapes. Really excited about it. We've worked over the last year. Catches fish all over the country, and I think it's going to catch fish for people everywhere you try it. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat. So you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro's coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait so you want to give them a little different look that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with all these colors are available in the original little john and the md i made that back with plenty of time left now dean's gone i hear i'm right here i'm right here just in some water all right so uh here, I got to go big screen now. So I went over to Jeffrey's yesterday. It's funny you mentioned that. This is a uh, this is a bareback 
B-E-A-R. It's got a little logo of a bear right there. Look what he oh has. He had two. This that's, is that's the, Mark Davis's jersey, isn't it? No, that's Harold Allen's. Oh, wow. Look at this. It's like a bowling jersey, white yeah. thing on the back. It's got the old Strike King, Riverside Lures, the Rebel Cotton Cortel Bomber and Hedden, <laughs> and the Harold Allen like that. So that is going on the uh, – he has a long sleeve and a short sleeve. He kept the long sleeve, gave me the short sleeve for the uh, for the new studio. Well, the studio is a year old now. I mean, I'm always, I'm always kind of adding and growing with the studio. So, well, hey, uh, why don't you send it down with somebody since we're gonna be at Toledo Bend at the end, end of the month? Uh, we can get that thing signed. Yeah, that would be awesome. Oh yeah, that'll be good. Uh, I've be good. got a Charlie Hartley jersey signed. Now I've got the Harold Allen, uh, and I, I was supposed to. I mean, remember when I was doing the studio thing, I was supposed to have the shorts. Oh, yeah. You still know where those are? Yeah, they're right over here. Is that, I mean, still, a po is that still a possibility uh, to add to the studio? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I have them. I don't know. When I, I don't have a lot of that stuff left over, as you can imagine, but uh, I, I did keep, keep, keep some of them. Like when I broke the record, my jersey, I have that one. Yeah. But I have the I have the blue shorts still, and I still have the red ones as well, and the black ones. So when it was with Gander, um, and the other boat company, other engine company, so I had all those 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 three as well. So I keep them yes. just for nostalgia, and like in case I ever wanted to do it again. I even thought about maybe this year, Matt. I was I thought about thought about bringing them back out again. Uh, so the I don't Suzuki know. shorts. Yeah, I think you you probably will see them at some point um, before you know I get. Whenever it's gonna come up, I don't know. Some sometime, I gotta wear them again. It's cool. I look at some of the pictures. I'm like, damn, look at that. It looks cool. So, yeah, the high tops and the Dickies <laughs> shorts. It was like a very distinct West Coast look that you had yeah. rolling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and they were heavy, you know. They're but they were durable. And of course, the jerseys we were back then. They weren't supplemented, so everything those those heavy cotton shirts, much like the one you have there. That's a little bit, a lot. You know, mm -hmm. that's probably a lighter material. Like I but, said, I, you don't know whether he's whether he's going to hit the seven ten split or boat flip a three pounder in this one. <laughs> what people don't realize is when you start adding all your patches and all the embroidery, how heavy those shirts get, mm -hmm. and it's just amazing when you're fishing those things all day long, and how hot you get in those things, and it's just you know, oh, it's yeah, <laughs> things are a lot lighter, a lot lot easier now than they used to be. All right, Dino, I. uh that was some good show and tell in this segment. It's been a hot yeah. minute since we had a good show and tell show. Yeah, we had well, baits, there's, there's we had apparel, we had all sorts of stuff. Do you want to see the, the mount again? Do you want? To, does anybody want to see that up there? Yeah, tilt it know, up there. I, I know. I know that's tilt always a, a, a hot hot topic. There's the, the all five of the forty five. Stay tuned. All your social medias. You'll do. No, uh, you like post. You'll you'll toast with a glass of champagne every year. The record. You're kind of like what is it? The seventy eight dolphins now. Every year, you're like, got through another year. No undefeated I teams. I know. And I don't even know if we'll ever go to a fishery that can house those kind of fish, you know, again. I so, don't know. It, it depends. I mean, like I said, there's a lot. Yeah, well, no, you got to do five. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. I mean, it's yours now, and I don't see it breaking in a foreseeable future. Yeah, so that's that's them right there. That's, that's one of my belts there. That's the... Mm -hmm. The one from there, I have the Santee Cooper one uh, over here um, somewhere. But um, 
and just kind of have a look around. These are all you can see some of the trophies, but that's those are the big ones. Some of the big ones that I've gotten. Um, you can see the uh, the most important one there is the uh, fish and chips one. You can see there that was the inaugural one there. I had to show no that to comment. you, Matt. No comment yeah. on that. That was <laughs> that was what you leave out there. Didn't Jason catch the nine pounder though? Of course that he got did. You the W on that? Yes, of course. That's fine. Of course. So. Anyways, that's, 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 that's very that's, organized. That's a lot of, mm-hmm. lot of great organization. My, uh, yeah. uh, I kick off the opens in Okeechobee in a couple for about a month. Yeah, exactly a month. And I'm shooting for 45, three. So, well, come on. It's all there. <laughs> <laughs> it's all there. Man. All right. Dita. You know, it's, it's neat. Cause when you talk to those guys and they come close, they'll catch 36 pounds or you know, 34. I mean, those are great bags, man. But yeah, you're still, still 10 pounds off. I remember when that we were fishing an elite down there at, at um, oh, where was it at? Um, um, down in Florida, um, the St. John's River. Yeah. And um, Chris Lane, you know, he weighed that 34, 35 pounds or 36 pounds, whatever it was that day. And he's just like, that's the biggest bag I ever caught in my life, you know? And he goes, Dean, how big was yours? I said, it was 45 too. He goes, oh, bleep, bleep, bleep. <laughs> I can't even imagine catching number nine more pounds to that, you know, because they were all just massive, just big ones, you know. And so, mm-hmm. anyways, it's cool. It makes them appreciate it because it's and I still today. I'm just, you know, it's just, it's amazing. I had that day, so cool stuff. That was 16, 17, 19, 21, 2, 23, 15, What twenty something years ago? Two thousand. That's got to be one of the longest standing like mm-hmm. records in bass fishing because they haven't kept that many records. First of all. But then like that, you know, there's been a, that's gotta be one of the longest, I would wonder what the longest standing like tournament fishing record is. It might be that one. Yeah. Well, well back in the day when they, they would weigh 10 fish or seven bass that they had those records, but yeah, but I mean, up to, up to date now, no, that's probably it, you know? Yeah. Cause everything you else know. has changed. Yeah. Cause I mean, you, you'll have team guys that'll weigh those, those that kind of weight you'll see them. You know, chicken model doesn't and stuff count. Like that. You need five yeah. fish in a. Tur- I think it had. It would have to be either a MLF in a five fish format, which was one year. Uh, I would count the pro circuit into that or the elite series, and I think you would throw in. You could throw in the opens or the Toyotas, but that's a five fish one day, forty five two. Not. I, I. I would not. Okay, so I would not count f- like a fork catchway release deal for the 45 two either because that's like a slot like i think you could get over it but i mean it would count it would count but i think there would possibly be an asterisk next to it in my opinion yeah and and it may even happen there but they will never actually have five holding up in front of you they'll just have the one yeah or two you know what i mean yeah. so it's so like the photo that you see you know of the, the catch which oh, yeah up here but of, of the five together that's 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 the juice that is like all of it um you know and back then it was 150 boats you know when we were on the bass 150 at that time so it's not like 80 now on the bass you know 40 we're fishing against on the bass pro tour and on the elites you know the actual um you know however they, they fluctuate too they're probably over 100 as well so i mean we had a lot of people on the water you know fishing i mean all the big names so you know but there it is right there it's uh so the one I'm holding my right hand, that's a 10-12. I'm holding two 10s yeah. in that one. And then Pee Wee on the far right is uh, 
That is a nine pounder. It appears as though you caught them wearing pleated jeans. I did. Those were Wrangler. Yes. You know why? Because Wrangler was a sponsor and those were Wrangler denim jeans. But pleated. Were they flat front or they look like they've got the pleated jeans like you do like back when your mom made you dress up for church and you wore the khakis that had like the pleats in them, at least in my. No, these were just Wranglers like outerwear at that time. I got you. Shorts. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Rang- so still, the Wrangler Angler. Yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah, Wrangler Angler. So that that we I had gotten those from them, but I still have that jersey, uh, the hat. I think I may still have the hat. But like when you watch the TV show, you'll see me in slacks. So that's the second day. I have those slacks still. Have that jersey, um, and then the boat itself. Uh, a, f- a friend of mine has it um, right now. He's using it, but eventually I'll, I'll end up having that boat back as well at some point. So I've had it, you know, a couple of times since then. Uh, but uh, it's just cool. Cool. Part of history. Yeah. All right, Dino. Uh, thank you very much. That was a fun hour and a half. Yeah. It's always fun. We can go on and on, but I'm sure the viewers are probably getting bored of all the stuff, but it's What's all your, good. What do you, do you, do you know what your socials are for people who to, to follow you through the 2024 BPT season, which mm-hmm. kicks off shortly? Well, uh, you know, obviously on Facebook, it's uh, Dean Rojas Pro Angler. Uh, you can go to DeanRojas.com from my webpage on that, which we don't even use anymore, but uh, <laughs> we do. I mean, nobody does. I mean, no, I'm with an you angler, too. It's, it's, you know, um, that used to be the thing. I know. And it still is uh, for people who just search engines and so forth on, um, on numbers and stuff because it has all of my followers and how many I have and, uh, and my social media for Instagram. It's Dean Rojas underscore rojas uh on that one and then uh my x account or twitter account is uh, uh five for four uh, dean rojas five for 45 all right thanks dean greatly appreciated appreciate you having me thanks everybody for watching and matt keep up the, keep up the good work You're doing a great job thank you see ya all right that is the one and only dean rojas always good to catch up with dean and when you can get him rolling in the stories man there's a lot of history and a lot of uh, a lot of good lessons there for current and up and coming anglers and uh i mean heck dean might have another he might have another 20 years left in him he might have another 20 years left in him that put him still younger than i think rick clun or larry nixon so lots left in the gas tank all right uh, log show today. Great show. Thanks for everyone for jumping. Make sure you drop a like and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, we did a great job in 2023 of growing that YouTube channel and want to try to double that in 2024. But I think that's all we got for today. Uh, back tomorrow, day four with Frank Scalish. And then a little sneak peek. I'm going to throw the logo up starting on Friday. The first edition. There it is right there. Guide day. Day five. BTL kicks off Friday, 8.30 a.m. And I'm excited to do this one. I actually record that show later today. That's all I got for today. We will see everyone tomorrow. Later.